This program is brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu. My name is uh, Christopher Gibson. I'm an assistant dean and a professor of law at Suffolk uh, University Law School. And I teach in a number of different areas, including um, internet law and also dispute resolution. I teach arbitration and other forms of international dispute resolution here at the law school. Today I want to talk about a case that was issued in September 2010. So it's a relatively recent decision. It was issued by Judge Nancy Gertner. She is a federal judge for the United States District Court for the District of Massachusetts. That's part of the First Circuit. And she had a case come before her that involved a trademark infringement action. The case was brought by a division of Comcast. If you are a cable TV user, you're either a customer in the New England area of Verizon or Comcast. If you work with Comcast, you might be aware that they also own some of the channels that provide content for them, one of which is Sports Channel New England. So they have a number of sports channels that Comcast owns. And they brought, in this case before Judge Gertner, they brought a declaratory relief action. They brought an action in the federal court to declare that they were not infringing on the trademark of an entity called Fancaster, Inc. Fancaster is a company that is registered in South Dakota and actually operates out of the state of New Jersey. When Comcast, through its division Sports Channel, brought a claim. They brought a claim in their home court, so to speak. They brought their declaratory relief action in Massachusetts, which is where the Sports Channel New England operates. So they brought the claim in their home court. They did not go, for example, to a federal court in South Dakota, which is where the Fancaster company is incorporated, nor did they bring the claim in New Jersey, which is where the Fancaster company actually operates. Instead, Sports Channel New England, Comcast, decided to bring the case right in the federal courts in Massachusetts. And that created an issue of personal jurisdiction. Whether the federal court had jurisdiction over Fancaster in Massachusetts... Now, why does that create an issue of jurisdiction? Well, under U.S. law, we have to determine whether personal jurisdiction can be exercised over a foreign party in the case like this. In other words, Fancaster is foreign to the state of Massachusetts. It doesn't generally do business in Massachusetts. It's actually, as I said before, a South Dakota registered company, and it has offices established in New Jersey. If a case is to be held in Massachusetts, that imposes a burden on Fancaster. They have to hire lawyers in Boston. They have to travel to Massachusetts to defend themselves. And so, question under standards of personal jurisdiction, we have to determine whether it would be appropriate to exercise personal jurisdiction over Fancaster, a foreign company, meaning foreign to the state of Massachusetts. In order to do that, we look at Massachusetts statute, which is called the long-arm statute, and it suggests that the exercise of personal jurisdiction over a foreign party must comply with constitutional due process standards. So what I want to talk about a bit now are what are the due process standards that must be met when the basis of personal jurisdiction is really going to be related to Internet activity. 
In other words, the claim brought by Comcast through New England Sports Center is based on the idea that Fancaster's website is accessible and visible to Massachusetts internet users. Let me go ahead now and give you a little more detail on how we look at standards of personal jurisdiction. And what I really want to focus on is a case involving internet activity. The claim brought by Comcast through its New England Sports Channel is based on the idea that the Fancaster website is visible, accessible to users or internet users in Massachusetts. And that was of great concern to Judge Gertner in this case. She really had to determine whether or not the interactive website operated by Fancaster that is in fact accessible to Massachusetts residents is sufficient to justify personal jurisdiction such that Fancaster has to come and be essentially hailed into court in federal court in Massachusetts to defend itself in this declaratory relief action. The court talked about a number of different criteria that have been developed to determine whether jurisdiction, that is personal jurisdiction, is valid in a case involving internet activity. First of all, we look to see whether the claims are related to Fancaster's activity in the forum. This is the so-called but-for test. Here, we could say that but-for Fancaster's website, which is indeed visible to users in the state of Massachusetts, but-for that website, could the case for declaratory relief be brought by Sports Channel New England? The answer has to be yes. Without that website, there'd be no basis for Sports Channel, that is Comcast, to bring a claim that it is in this lawsuit, they're trying to seek a declaration that they are not infringing the trademark rights of Fancaster. Fancaster owns the trademark for the word Fancaster, and Sports Channel New England has a Fancaster program and a Fancaster service, and they're bringing this case for declaratory relief. So, but for the presence and the accessibility of that Fancaster website, there would be no basis for bringing the claim of declaratory relief. Secondly, under personal jurisdiction, we have to determine whether by operating that website, Fancaster has purposely availed itself of the laws and the services of the state of Massachusetts. Now, this is the key issue here, and it is an issue that had not yet been addressed by the First Circuit Federal Court of Appeals, which is the covers the area of New England, or by the U.S. Supreme Court. The issue is whether a website located outside of that forum, and which forum residents can access, should satisfy the purposeful availment test. Has that website operator purposely availed itself by somehow conducting business in the state of Massachusetts. The case that has been around since 1997 to frame the argument on this question of personal jurisdiction is the Zippo case. It's a well-known internet jurisdiction case, and in that case, the court, this was a district court in Pennsylvania, said that the likelihood of a valid personal jurisdiction is directly proportionate to the level of interactivity of the particular website. On the one end of the spectrum, you have uh, personal jurisdiction is clearly established where a defendant conducts regular business over the Internet through its website, for example, by using the website to enter into contracts 
with users in the forum, in the state where the case is brought. On the other hand, there are passive websites that do not share any information at all. And in those cases, it's hard to say that the mere accessibility and visibility of the website should justify personal jurisdiction over a foreign defendant operating that website. So the Zippo court examined the level of interactivity of the website involved and also whether there was a commercial nature to the website and any kind of exchange of information taking place on the website. What's happened since that Zippo case, however, in 1997 is that virtually every website that is put up today is interactive in some way, in some fashion. You rarely find a website that is purely passive, meaning just some posting of information. Websites today are interactive. So the courts have actually moved on in terms of defining what level of interactivity and what type of operational behavior should justify personal jurisdiction over a foreign company. And that's really what Judge Gertner looked at. In this case, the kinds of things that the Fancaster website allowed for Internet users were as follows. If you had gone to the Fancaster website, you could register on the website to receive informational emails and updates about sports. You, in turn, could send an email to the website operator. You could play basic trivia games, and you could actually vote on certain videos that were posted on the Fancaster website. So you can see I'm describing a website that is interactive in certain ways. Still, Judge Gertner looked at this and said, this website, which has certain interactive features, is not targeting the state of Massachusetts. Remember I said Fancaster is a company registered in South Dakota, and it has offices in New Jersey. It posts information, it exchanges emails, it posts videos, but it does none of that with the idea of targeting Massachusetts state users. And it does not enter into contracts with Massachusetts residents or in any other way um, operate in a commercial manner. So what the judge in this case did was essentially reflect the emerging trend that even relatively interactive websites, that is websites that have a fair amount of interactivity, that alone cannot be a sufficient basis for personal jurisdiction over a foreign company. It is not seen as reasonable or fair that merely having an interactive website should subject a foreign defendant to have to come to another place, another forum, in order to defend itself in a lawsuit. So, in a registration page, simple trivia, ability to email website operates, streaming online video, fanning or sharing pages, all of this stuff is not going to be sufficient to enable the website's owners to be hailed into a court in any form in which the website is accessible. There has to be something more. And that something more becomes the $64,000 question. What is the something more that must be shown in order for personal jurisdiction to be considered constitutionally fair? Here, I would suggest that if you can show that through the website, Fancaster had actually been conducting business in Massachusetts, entering into contracts with Internet users that pay fees or other type of activity that is commercial in nature, then the court might have decided in the other manner. Let me just very briefly then 
talk about the three-part test that is established in this decision. Again, the decision is Sports Channel New England versus Fancaster, a decision that's dated September 30th, 2010. So it reflects really the leading edge in terms of Internet jurisdiction, and it arises in a case involving trademark infringement, which are often the type of cases that are uh, the test cases for personal jurisdiction. Um, So in this situation, you have to show that the type of jurisdiction, this kind of what we call specific jurisdiction, the activity in question is related to the case itself and to the claims brought. Secondly, that there has been a purposeful availment by the defendant, that the defendant's activity has been so significant that the defendant has purposely availed itself of the services and laws of the state of Massachusetts. And third, that in any event, the exercise of jurisdiction would be reasonable, that it would be reasonable to require this foreign defendant to travel to Massachusetts and defend itself in a case brought against it by Sports Channel New England. The reason this case is interesting and at the cutting edge is because what Judge Gertner has done so well in her opinion is review all of the cases that have been decided up to this point, up to September 2010, and suggested that even though a website is moderately or even highly interactive, which is the case today with many websites, for example, virtually every website has a Contact Us page on it, and therefore you find that most websites today are interactive in some way or another, Judge Gertner looked at all of that and said that can no longer be sufficient to justify personal jurisdiction over a foreign defendant. We need to find something more. And that something more is really looking at behaviors by defendants that, through their websites, have targeted the forum, the foreign place where they're now being required to appear as a defendant, or conducting business in that foreign state. She has done a very nice job of bringing out the standards that would apply today in light of the development of the Internet over the last 15 years. I usually date the Internet from 1994 when the first Internet browser became available, the Netscape Navigator. From that time, users who do not have high technical skills have been able to use the Internet in a manner that led to its mass dissemination, its mass spread. And now we have a whole generation of young users who use the Internet for just about everything. If we were to suggest that the mere accessibility of a website to Internet users in any jurisdiction around the world would subject the operator of that website to jurisdiction in virtually any state of the country or any country of the world, it would create huge problems of jurisdiction. Judge Gertner recognizes that and therefore defines a new standard that suggests that even a highly interactive website is not alone enough to justify jurisdiction over the website operator in a foreign state or in a foreign land. You have to show that the website operator was doing something more to target that foreign place in order to require that the defendant, that website operator, be hailed into that court. There's one other aspect to this case that is at least worth mentioning, and one that the plaintiffs, that is the Comcast Sports New England, uh, Sports Channel New England, uh, tried to identify. They suggested that in this case, Fancaster had tagged certain videos that related to Massachusetts or Boston based sports teams. For example, if there was a video relating to the Red Sox, they would tag it 
they would acknowledge it that way. And therefore, they were in some sense, through this um, interactive website, they were indicating or aware that certain users must be interested in Boston or the Red Sox or other sports teams. However, the court found that as a practice, Fancaster was doing this for all sports teams, whether it was the Boston Red Sox or the Detroit Lions or the University of Michigan or the San Francisco 49ers. And therefore, once again, Judge Gertner found that this tagging of videos did not indicate that Fancaster was directly targeting residents in the state of Massachusetts. Indeed, at the end of the day, the judge said Fancaster is not selling a product at all. It is not a commercial enterprise. Once again, this interactivity, this moderately interactive website with features that are now very common on websites, such as a registration page, the ability to take simple trivia quizzes, streaming video, functionalities that allow fans to share pages or videos, all of that would not be sufficient to establish the type of targeting behavior that would validate jurisdiction over a foreign defendant. And in the words of Judge Gertner, if virtually every website is now interactive in some measure, it cannot be that every website subjects itself to litigation in any forum unless Congress would dictate otherwise. And so far, we have no federal statute that would allow that. She goes on to say, interactivity alone cannot be the linchpin for personal jurisdiction. Once again, something more, a type of targeting behavior uh, into the forum in question, has to be established. Now, I'll conclude by saying one last thing. In this note, I have been really focusing on websites and online activity in order to question whether personal jurisdiction is valid. Of course, there's more than just one mode by which contact can take place with a particular state or country. There's online activities, and there are also offline activities. And in a particular case, a court might see that there are both kinds of activities. It could be that the combination of the online activities through a website, when considered with any type of offline activities that also establish contacts with the form state would together, in a cumulative sense, justify jurisdiction over a foreign company. So in other words, when evaluating jurisdiction and questions of whether personal jurisdiction is constitutionally valid, a court would normally consider both the offline activities that, and the offline contacts with the form in question and the online activities in the Sports Channel New England versus the Fancaster case, I have only focused on the online activities and the analysis of those online activities, and it's a really good case for looking at what type of online activity, what type of interactive website might justify personal jurisdiction. Well, thank you for listening today. In conclusion, I should mention that you can find the supporting materials for this podcast. That would be the decision of Judge Nancy Gertner, and also a note that I did on website interactivity and an analysis of personal jurisdiction. Those four documents are included in the relevant intellectual property section of Suffolk iTunes series, so I hope you find those materials to be helpful. This preceding program was brought to you by Suffolk University. Please visit us on the web at www.suffolk.edu.